What are you thirst for this morning? This is the fifth word from our series. The fifth word. When thirst kicks in, when you really feel thirsty, when thirst kicks in, your kidneys send less water to your bladder. You sweat less. Your body temperature rises. Your blood becomes thicker and more sluggish. And to maintain the oxygen levels in your body, your heart rate increases. That's roughly about 2% of your body. Doctors seem to think that when you're really thirsty, you're you're parched, you're thirsty, it's about 2% of your body weight has left you. 2%. The human body is about 60% water, give or take. Your brain and muscles is about 75%. Your blood is 82% water. Thirst, when you're feeling thirsty, that water has already left you. You're in need. Most people will say once you feel thirsty, you've already passed the stage of maybe drinking on time. Your, your, Your body's already reaching a place where it's getting a bit worried about dehydration. It's beginning to react to this lack of water. They've tried to quantify what this might look like. And I'm not really the right guy to give this illustration, but I'm going to have a go. One hour of kickboxing practice is the equivalent of about 2% of lost body fluid. One hour of heavy kickboxing practice. Now, Ted has a really strong leg in his practicing. An hour of that, you will lose 2%. You will be very, very thirsty. You will have thirst. You will have a lot of thirst. What makes you thirsty? Jesus said that he was thirsty. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. This is the fifth word from the cross. I thirst. As we look at this word today, can I say up front that some experiences in life dehydrate us spiritually as well as physically? Can I say that that there are, are things that we can do that spiritually dehydrate us? There are things that happen to us that can spiritually dehydrate us. My prayer is that we would all again taste the living water. People all around us are seeking to satisfy their thirst. They're satisfying their thirst with materialism, with position and influence. They're satisfying their thirst with accomplishments, with things, with leisure, with relaxation. You can't go past a street without seeing a sign for relaxation and yoga or coffee or you deserve it, come and relax. Who here would love a massage right now, besides Nick Shahadi? (laughs) Many people thirst for peace in their heart, in their minds. We have a fast-paced life. On a Sunday morning, it's not designed to just quench your spiritual thirst. A Sunday morning really is designed to inspire you to seek more of Christ so that your thirst is quenched every minute of the day, 
every day of the week. Sunday is not meant to to just quench your thirst and then for the rest of the week, nothing. Sunday is meant to remind us who really quenches our thirst and how much we need to draw from Him every moment of our lives. This word from the cross, this fifth word from the cross, is about a deep desire for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, let us have ears to hear. May we be reminded, Lord, that you are the only one who can satisfy our thirst. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And everybody said, Amen. I want to examine five points from this word. The first one that I want to look at is how Jesus provisioned for his final words, how he affirmed his humanity, fulfilled scripture, how he valued mission, and how Jesus continues to teach us, continues to teach us even from the cross. So let's just start with this first thought about how he provisioned for his final words. I want you to put your hand out. Now, you can do this to someone else as well. This is a lot of fun to do to someone else, maybe to your wife. I'm allowing you to pinch her. Usually it's the other way around, I find. But if you grab your bit of skin, and I've got a little bit, and you pull it up a bit tight and you hold it for five seconds, it should snap back. And if it snaps back, a very basic test is I'm hydrated. If it snaps back slowly then maybe I'm lacking hydration. I don't make this stuff up, but I reckon almost all of you did that and it's a bit of fun. So if you want to do it to someone else right now, um, Emma, this is your chance to do it to your boss. (laughs) As hard as you want. Harder, harder. Don't hurt him! (laughs) We are losing water continuously. We're losing water. Besides the obvious... We're losing water just through natural evaporation, through an air conditioner that's turned on. We're losing water by breathing. We're constantly losing water and it adds up. Remember that you thirst after you've exercised heavily for an hour. How thirsty would you be if you haven't had a drink for 12 hours? How thirsty would you be? How thirsty would you be if you've been on the cross for six hours? The loss of blood, exposure, heat, exhaustion... Nailed to the cross, with your body swelling up, how thirsty would you be? Dehydration comes after thirst. When you're feeling thirsty, you're already dehydrated. And that dehydration has effect. It tends to lead first to fever. And that fever throbs in the form of a headache. A throbbing headache. Have you ever had one of those headaches and you know you haven't had enough water to drink. And it just bang, bang, bang. Stomach cramps and nausea come after dehydration. As dehydration continues, your eyeballs begin to dry up. Your lips go dry. Your tongue swirls and your throat feels like sandpaper. Your vocal cords swell up And you can hardly speak. There is no moisture left inside you. It's hard to speak. In fact, when you do try and speak, it it sounds not really human. It almost sounds... It's hard to explain. It's like a croak. You see, 
Jesus was thirsty, but he wasn't just thirsty. He cried out, I thirst, because in order to say the next two words, he needed some moisture. In order to be able to say and speak loudly, it is finished. In order to be able to speak loudly so that we could hear, into your hands I commit my spirit, Jesus had thirst. So that this little bit of moisture could enter into the mouth of our Saviour, could moisten those parts where the voice travels, so that he could speak those last two words. Jesus had thirst because he was provisioning for the last two words that he would speak. What about the second point, Jesus' humanity? This is a terrible picture on so many levels. It's a terrible picture. Jesus was human. He was not a superhero. Jesus was human. Jesus endured the cross in its fullness, in its worst. There is nothing you and I can ever go through There is no suffering that we can ever go through that Jesus has not felt or tasted. Jesus knows. Jesus gets it. Jesus understands. Paul beautifully expresses this in Philippians 2. He says, Jesus, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his advantage. If you're on the cross, you would want to use every advantage you had available to you. That's not what Jesus did. It's not what he did at all. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself by becoming a servant obedient to death, even death on a cross. How beautifully put. Jesus died in his humanity. Jesus was human. Jesus affirms his humanity. What God says, I thirst, unless you're also fully human. I thirst. This is the second thought from this word. The third thought is the fulfillment of Scripture. And in in particular, I'd like to turn your attention to Psalm 22, 15 and Psalm 69, 21. Psalm 21.15 says this, My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. Gee, it sounds like dehydration, doesn't it? It sounds like parched. Verse 14 says, My life is poured out like water. My bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, melting within me. Jesus is fulfilling scripture on the cross. As he cries out, I thirst, he's fulfilling what was written about him. He's fulfilling scripture. In Psalm 69 verse 21 it says, but instead they gave me poison for food, they offered me sour wine for my thirst. And in verse 3 of Psalm 69 it says, I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched, my eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Jesus is fulfilling scripture as he cries the words, I thirst. 
for Jesus, Scripture has such a high value. For Jesus, Scripture has such a high value that He endured the cross, endured what it said about Him and spoke the words, I thirst. Now this jar that was there was, was sour wine. Roman soldiers would often carry this in their kit. The jar was sour wine mixed with water. It was part of what, what they would drink. Historians tend to believe that it was there, they would drink it to avoid scurvy. They would drink it to cover the bad smell of water. I reckon Puritat would have made a lot of money in those days, but Puritat wasn't around. So by mixing water with this, with this sour wine, it, it kind of took away some of those bad odours and bad tastes. It was also known to quench thirst. What was unusual, though, was that the soldiers were maybe willing to allow their posca, their sour wine, to be shared. That's unusual. Not just shared with anyone, but shared with someone dying on the cross. Jesus is fulfilling Scripture. Jesus is fulfilling His vocation. Jesus is doing what only Jesus can do. He's fulfilling Scripture. The fourth thought is the value of mission for our Lord. Note that the passage says, Jesus knew that his mission was finished. And then he said, I thirst. He knew that his mission was complete. How's your mission going? How's our mission going here at church? Jesus knew the mission was done. Then he spoke, I thirst. You know, we really are fickle in, in Australia. We, we have it so well. Let me tell you how well we have it. Sometimes these chairs get really uncomfortable. Sometimes when we sit in church, the air conditioner's on too cold. And other times it's on too long, and sometimes it's not on at all. Sometimes we sing for too long. Sometimes the preacher preaches for too long. Sometimes the songs that we sing aren't the songs I want to... Sometimes it's too loud. We really get upset about lots of things, don't we? But Jesus never mentioned anything about himself until he knew the mission was complete, until he knew the mission was done. And then he speaks about his physical suffering. I thirst. Jesus held his mission in very high regard. Jesus held his vocation very highly to the point where he was willing to put his mission first. It was who he was and he placed that above himself. And only after the mission was complete, then he said, I thirst. He said, I thirst. My wife and daughter in the Philippines at the moment, they're a little bit sweaty Things aren't as ordered there as what they are here. You forget how nicely ordered our lives are here in Australia. Yes, we complain about the traffic, but that is nothing compared to Manila and many other countries in the world. They're being reminded that the mission has a cost. They're being reminded that the mission causes you to thirst. 
They're being reminded that they need to put other things first, especially my little girl. She has to sit through so more church meetings than she never has before. And she has to make out that she likes it. She's learning that the mission has cost. She's learning that to put yourself first, it means that you put to one side that I thirst for the sake of the mission. Jesus put the value of mission, his vocation, above his own needs. The fourth thought is to remember the value that Jesus placed on mission. The same, the same value Jesus has placed upon us in our mission that he has given us. That there's an expectation that we will have moments when we're really thirsty, but we have to put that to one side as we pursue the mission God has given us. As we put others first, as we put Christ first. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Jesus did it. The fifth thought and the final thought is Jesus teaching. Jesus teaching. Jesus was a rabbi, and rabbi means esteemed teacher. Put your hand if you're a teacher here. Are you, a, are you an esteemed teacher? Do the kids come up to you and say, I esteem you, teacher? Most of the time, probably not. Maybe some come afterwards and they say, oh, thank you for teaching me. A rabbi was an esteemed teacher. Jesus was teaching upon the cross. It's interesting to note that in John chapter 19 and verse 29, the verse after Jesus spoke, it speaks about a hyssop plant. Hyssop is a very unusual name. We don't talk about hyssop plants here in Adelaide. But the hyssop plant is very common in the Middle East. It's a very common herb. It's of the mint family, if that helps cooks and herb, herby people. The mint family. It was known for its medicinal value. It was also had ceremonial value. If you look back into the scriptures, it's often used with purification. It has ceremonial value. This hyssop plant, a stalk was used from this plant to take the vinegar, to take the posca up to the Lord's mouth so that he could drink from it. The hyssop plant was used. What is, what is going on here with the hyssop plant? In Psalm 51 and verse 7, it says, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Sounds very salvation-ish, doesn't it? It sounds very forgiveness-ish. It sounds, it sounds very purification-ish. Being washed whiter than snow. Clean me with the hyssop plant. Note also in Exodus chapter 12, when, when Israel is trapped, the people of Israel is trapped in Egypt, and they're about to have their escape, they're about to have their exodus, and they're told to take blood using a bunch of hyssop to put on the doorposts of their house. Hyssop. Hyssop. Something of what Jesus was doing was related to a purification. Something about what Jesus was teaching was, yes, you've experienced one exodus, but this is the one that I am doing myself. This is the one 
This is like a new exodus. This is like a, a, a new way. This is once and for all. Something really different is happening here. It's my own blood that the hyssop branch is receiving. It's my own blood that is being let loose on this world. Could those who are waiting upon us for communion please come and do so? The blood of Jesus connects with this hyssop branch and this sponge. The sponge was part of the Roman soldier's kit. And so as the vinegar was put in, as this, as this hyssop stalk was lifted, as Jesus tasted and took in and satisfied his thirst, his blood would have touched this stalk, this hyssop. His blood would have been used on this hyssop and it would have touched the ground, it would have touched, would have touched the soldiers. Something of what happened before was happening again, but in a very different and profound way. The overtones of the door frames of the world were having blood applied. Jesus was a ransom for many. What I deserved, he took my place. Where I was heading, Jesus came and he went through the suffering and the torture. He became my substitute. What I deserve, Jesus took for me and now offers life and life more abundantly. This thirst, this cup of of suffering Jesus spoke about in the garden in Matthew 26. Jesus said, with his, uh, bowed his face to the ground, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will done, not mine. The distress for Jesus was real. This cup that he was drinking, this cup of suffering, the distress of that was real and authentic and genuine. And Jesus did not shy away from it at all. We see his humanity again. Father, this, this suffering is terrible. If there's any way, but not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. Jesus drank the cup of suffering to its full. He knew his mission was completed and he said, I thirst. I thirst. The water of life had thirst. Note in Luke chapter 22, when Jesus is instituting what we know as communion, Jesus said that he will only taste the fruit of the vine only once the mission was complete, only once the kingdom of God had come. He would only allow his lips to taste the fruit of the vine at that point in time. And that point in time had come. Jesus is teaching us that we need to have a voice. Because without what Jesus took, it would have been exceptionally hard for him to cry out, it is finished. We thirst for Christ because what Christ has done for us gives us something to speak about, gives us something to share about, gives us something to offer, gives us some, some way, some mechanism to be able to share his life with others. It's important that we witness his victory. 
When we come around the communion table, we, we get to be reminded of that victory again and again and again. We remember his humanity. We remember that he knows us, that he suffered for us. We remember that he went through all the stresses and the struggles that we have faced. We remember that he fulfilled scripture, that the word of God is trustworthy, that the promises of God are real and there for us. We remember that mission matters to Christ, that going into all the world really matters to him. Ultimately, it's hard to distinguish between the mission of Christ and his identity. I think that should be the same for us, shouldn't it? There was such harmony in the life of Christ that his identity was his vocation and his vocation was his identity. Perhaps another way to say it is this, God just doesn't love, God is love. And finally, Jesus is teaching us just to thirst for the right things. Today with this little bit of bread and this cup, today we remember and we're reminded that this is what we ought to thirst for. We are reminded that this, beyond anything else, is, should be the object of our affection, should be the object of our desire. This is what we thirst for. This is what quenches our thirst. Do you thirst for Jesus this morning? Do you thirst for Christ? Do you thirst for him? Just like the deer longs for water, as the psalmist says in Psalm 42. Do you thirst for him? Surely we can never reach a point where we feel like we've had enough of Jesus this week. Surely we can never reach that place. Surely we can never come to that place where we've had enough of him. Well, I've had my fill. That's enough of God's stuff. I'm going to go and do other stuff, my stuff. Surely we never reach that place. Surely our thirst for him is, is ongoing, is part of us, because we know that he is the only one who can quench us. There are many things that we can taste, but only Jesus can quench our thirst. In John chapter 4, Jesus said, If only you knew who was with you, if only you knew, you would ask me and I would give you living water. We know who was with us this morning. We know that, that he is here with us. We know that this is living water that we're reminded about. We know that. Jesus said, Jesus took the bread and gave thanks and he broke it. This is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you just take this bread now and remember Christ? Let's eat the bread.
Jesus took the cup after they'd eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you, this, this suffering of my body, of me, this giving of my life is the new covenant for you. It's established in my blood. It's established in my sacrifice. It's established in what I have done. Jesus knew his mission was completed. And he cried out, I thirst. As you drink the cup, would you remind yourself that it is him who you thirst for and only this will quench it. Let us drink.